0: assignment. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> we we work with most of those people that you saw that they were giving close-ups to there. Uh, uh, just a wonderful place uh, where the Lord is present, you know, and it's, we're, we're going to be leaving on the 7th of February. We'll be there for five weeks, and uh, once again we'll be able to minister to all the, there's a new group, a whole new crop of young people that are there now, uh, uh, learning to uh, know God and to, and to uh, Make him known. That's the really the vision statement of uh, YWAM, to know God and to make him known. And, and it's all over the world, and that's what they're doing right now. Uh, so we, we covered your prayers, and once again we say thank you for allowing us to go. And uh, it's through your support and through your prayers that we're able to do this. And uh, so thank you once again for your generosity. Uh, Doug asked, Pastor Doug asked me to preach uh, before we left and uh, we leave. And so as he, after he asked me to preach, I began to think about the messages and how many have enjoyed this series of messages. They've been powerful messages yeah. about encountering uh, God's presence. And he's laid the vision out for us, hasn't he? Uh, our vision statement as a church is encountering his presence and changing lives for eternity, and uh, it's definitely a mandate that's given to us today as a church. I mean, we are living in a very exciting days. You know, we're living in times of really division in our country, like we probably are seeing it more than we've ever seen it in my lifetime, anyway. And uh, and so we don't know what the next few years are going to hold, but we know that God is with us. God is present. Yeah. He's given us. Uh, He's going to give us the strength and the and the wisdom to know how to. Im- how to engage this generation in which we live. And so I'm excited to preach today. And I have a real, I, I'm, in fact, through this, the songs that we sang this morning that Libby picked out today, the, and Doug, I thought he was going to preach my message just there at the end. And, uh, and so I, I feel like I'm in the right place and on the right track here. Here's the thought I want, you to, I want, I want to leave with you this morning or have you think about right now. Proximity, proximity, does not always result in encountering God's presence. Well another word for proximity, closeness does not always result in encountering God's presence. And I'm going to lay this out a little bit for you today and actually share with you our own experience, Jan and I over the years of our Christian walk in marriage how God had to lead us by the hand to encounter his presence. Philip was one of the 12 disciples. He was traveling with Jesus, and he watched Jesus as he, as he healed people, and raised the dead, as he performed various miracles. He turned water into wine. Remember, he calmed the seas, and he walked on water. He allowed Peter to walk on water for a moment. And uh, so Philip was with him all throughout his years of ministry here on this earth. And Philip asked him this question near the end of Jesus' ministry before he was betrayed and went to the cross. He said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and it will be enough for us. Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough. Jesus said back to Philip, he says, how long have you been with me? And you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So Philip kind of got put in his place. But we all could be where Philip is. Jesus spoke about people in his time who appeared to be religious, but their religious activity actually prevented them from truly encountering his presence. Just because we're religiously active or even spiritually active in the sense of going to church, you know, worshiping God on Sunday, even reading our Bibles occasionally, All these things are good, and we ought to do those things. But you know the old saying, you can't see the forest for the tree. Sometimes we get so caught up on the activity that we forget who the activity is pointing towards. God. And his presence in our lives. Jesus spoke about the Pharisees. I mean, they were very religious. They knew how to fast. They knew how to let everybody else know they were fasting by throwing ashes on themselves and wearing sackcloth. And I mean, hey, I'm fasting, in case you haven't noticed. And Jesus said, you hypocrites. He always had a way with words, didn't he? <laughs> Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Wow. There are times that we get caught up in that same mindset. I know I have been there. This morning, I want to share some hindrances to encountering his presence. And there are three major hindrances I see. Hearts that have grown dull, that have grown cold or hardened. Ears that no longer listen. And eyes that don't see. Jesus talked about this often. Remember when he shared the parables and He's, one of times his disciples came to him and said, Jesus, explain to us what you mean by these stories. And so he took him aside he says, God has given you the privilege to understand these things. But to those, their ears are closed, their eyes are closed, their hearts are hard, and they hear, but they cannot receive. They see, but they don't understand. And their hearts are closed to what I'm saying. And so there's three things, our hearts being open to God. And during this series of messages that we're hearing and will continue to hear, because I believe the pastor and the leadership here wants to drill this deep into our souls so we understand what we are really all about. We want to encounter God, not only in church on Sunday mornings, but every day of our life. You guys are making me nervous, and I'm going to have to drink a lot of water this morning. I'm kind of out of practice here, so. <laughs> and so Jesus encountered that in his ministry. There were people, you know, they walked with him. He didn't really understand God's right there with them. Uh, the hypocrites were there, the Pharisees. They were very religious in their practices, but yet they could not accept the fact that Jesus was in their midst. They, they saw his miracles, but they would not believe. They, they saw him cast out demons. They thought he was the prince of the demons, you know, to do that. They blasphemed against him. And then Paul, the apostle, we we went through the series in Acts. And, and it says right at the end of his ministry in Acts chapter 28, it says, when they had appointed a day for him, Paul's under house arrest now. And they but they allowed people to come and visit him, so crowds came to him. It says, and they appointed a day for him, and they came to him at his lodging in great numbers, from morning till evening. Think about it. You think an hour and a half on Sunday morning is a long time, you know? From morning to evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law and Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. So here they were listening to the word of God. They were listening to this great anointed teacher, an evangelist, apostle, speak to them out of his own prison. He was under guard because of his own teaching. And they, some believed, but some who sat there heard it all, but chose not to believe. And then it goes on to say, in disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Saul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull.'" And with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. See, the whole point of these messages is God wants us to turn. He wants us to make a shift in our thinking, in our life, and to turn towards his presence. Like we've never done before. And so we need to open our hearts. And some of us, I know I've been walking with the Lord for a long time, since I was eight years of age. Now, I wasn't always real tight with God. There <laughs> are many times I had to come back and get things right again, but I started that journey when I was eight. And now I'm much older. And so, when those people left the room, the Lord said to Paul, Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. I'm telling you this morning, if you won't hear this message, somebody else will. If you don't receive this message, somebody else will receive it. But you have the opportunity. Aren't you glad you decided to come to church today? Now you're accountable, okay? You could have stayed home, you know, but thank God you chose to come to church. I want to share some of my personal story, our personal story. I actually went over this with Jan ahead of time to make sure. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm 70. She's not there yet. And, uh, And so, as I mentioned, I was eight years old when I accepted the Lord, I was raised in a pastor's home. You know, there was lots of, uh, lots of church, <laughs> lots of church. We lived right next door to the church. So even when I wasn't attending church, I was maybe cleaning the church or shoveling the snow off the sidewalk so people could go to church or going over to the church to get my mom's purse that she'd forgotten, left in the, <laughs> at church. And, uh, you know, so many things I did in the church. It was my, my world. And uh, some things I did in church that I'm not going to mention, too. So, uh, the But I was raised in this pastor home. I went to church at least three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, at least. And uh, And then we had youth group meetings and various activities. I attended VBS every summer for a week. Went to a Christian camp every summer for a week. And maybe, and sometimes all summer long, as my dad was studying at the at the campus there, and uh, so i made I made numerous decisions in camp to follow Christ. How many have made numerous decisions to follow Christ? <laughs> you want to make sure, right? okay, all right all right, so I, I did that too. <laughs> I mean, I had to get right with Jesus every summer for all the things I did wrong at school during the past year, or so um, Anyhow, I, I, I know what it was like to go to church camp and get it right with God again. I even went to a Christian college where I met my Christian wife. I sang in a male quartet, led prayer meetings in our, in our men's dorm. But all this closeness and all this activity actually, in time, dulled my senses. I heard it over and over, and over, and over again. It wasn't that the message was dull, but I, be, at some point in time, my heart began to close, my ears began to close, and my eyes be, refused to see. It was subtle. And there would be moments where I'd have glimpses, you know, of, of God, and, 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 and a touch of Him, and, I could feel that he was still in my life, but I really wasn't living the life that he wanted me to live. My experience of being in God's neighborhood every day, reading, and reading books and stories about people who knew God and, and experienced miracles. I remember seeing miracles as a young kid. And they, were, and they were awesome, and they were powerful miracles. Yet, never really encountering his presence. And so, there are many Christians. I don't think my story is alone in this. I'm not alone in this situation. In fact, uh, I've been in places, and I've been in, around where I know that Christians have become dull in their hearts. They're not sharp. They're not up to date with their walk with God. Christian life becomes a routine. uh, Lacking excitement and vitality. I don't believe that's the way God intended it to be. Now, yes, there is routine in life. And there are certain things that we ought to have spiritual habits and disciplines in our life that we do every day. But it should not be dull. And if it's becoming dull, then we need to adjust ourselves in some way, open up our heart, open our mind, open our eyes and our ears to see and to know God. So, you know, again, I thank God for the Bible. You know, and the thing in the Bible, he doesn't just share the good story. He shares the whole story. And so think about the children of Israel. And they're traveling and they're journeying around the wilderness for 40 years. Think about it. Every night when they went to bed, they could look out the tent window, tent door, and they would see a pillar of fire. And who was in that pillar of fire? God was present in that pillar of fire. And when they would get up in the morning, they would look out the tent door, and what did they see? They saw a cloud of his presence. And then when they when it, boy, my stomach's beginning to growl. They would go outside, and they would look all around the ground, and what did they see? Manna. God's presence was all around them. Yet, after a while, they said to Moses, We loathe this worthless bread. Let me read it to you. Numbers chapter 1, 21, verse 5. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there is no food, no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Have you ever said that to God? I would be afraid to. I might think it, but I don't know if I would ever say it. Uh, so here again what I'm trying to get across is proximity. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. You need the presence of God new in your life today. And tomorrow and through the rest of your life. Okay. So going back to the scripture I read earlier about Paul, he says that, you know, uh, when their their hearts were dull, they're, Ears were closed and their eyes were closed. Those are the three things that really, I think, are the gates to allowing God's presence to come into us. Through our open heart, through ears that are willing to hear and what? Obey. It's not enough just to hear, but to act upon what God is saying to us through his word. And also eyes to see him at work in our lives and the lives of people around us. You know what God's working right now. Can you see it? So what causes this blindness? Well, let me give you a couple of scriptures. The God of this world blinds our eyes in our hearts, in our minds. In Second Corinthians chapter four and verse four, it says In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. When we love the world and the things of the world more than we love God, what we have done is we crowded God out of our heart because God and the world do not abide in the same heart. The world, you know, Jesus said himself, can you serve two masters? Can you love two masters? Either you're going to love one and hate the other. You can't have fresh water and bitter water coming from the same tap. And so the love of the world crowds out the love of the Father. If we're only looking for the things that the world can offer us, then that is the major reason we're not seeing God at work. Unless we, you know, some believe that God only works through a prosperity type of a doctrine. Well, He may. But the love of money and the love of things... Is the root of all evil. And so when we love the world, and that's what the, Paul is writing about there in Corinthians, and then again in 1 John verses 15 and 16, John puts it this way. Do not love the world. Can you say that? Do not love the world. Now, what does that really mean? Do not love the world. Well, does that mean I'm not to love my neighbor? No or the things in the world. So if my stuff and my plans and my agenda are more important to me than the presence of God, then I'm wondering... I mean, that's maybe the reason I'm not seeing him at work. Because my eyes are not upon him, they're upon my things. Do not love the world or the things in the world... If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's pretty straightforward. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all, say everybody say all. What does all mean? All. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh. Can't wait to get out of church so I can go and have. Lunch, you know, whatever. (laughs) And the desires of the eyes. Hmm. What do I want to see? My eyes. And the pride of life is not from the Father, but is of the world. And these things have a tendency to dull our heart, to close our ears and our eyes and our mind to the things of God. The love for worldly pleasures, personal reputation, financial independence has a blinding effect upon our spiritual receptors. And I want to talk about these receptors, I like, psych, you know, you, your eyes and your ears and your heart. An open heart, open ears and eyes. To love God with all of our heart, to hear his word and obey it. And see his work in our lives and those around us. How many want to see God at work in lives around you as well? Not just me, but you and everyone. In first John chapter two and verse two eleven says this is another thing that is a hindrance or causes us to harden our heart. But whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going, but the darkness has blinded his eyes. Let me f- tell you folks, there's a lot of hate speech today. I, I, Jan was telling me that there's a lot of people that are choosing to go off of Facebook because they're tired of the discussion that's going on. And all the hate, and all the anger, the angst, and everything that's being voiced openly today. I mean, I, th- I learned you don't talk about religion and politics, you know, <laughs> but it's not that way anymore. <clears throat> well, I talk about my faith. And I do talk about politics, but I try to be careful where I talk about it. Whoever hates. Now, are you a hater or you are a lover? Are you getting kind of ner- Is someone getting on your last nerve a little bit here? about where they are in their political place or, or their, their life or whatever it may be. Are they on your last nerve? or, or Are you going to choose to turn the cheek and, and forgive them a thousand times or whatever you have to do to love that brother, to pray for that person that they might see and know God? I think that's really why this division is coming. Because I think God wants to do something spectacular in our generation. Hate can blind us. It can blind us to people. It can blind us to even their, op- their, their desire, as awkward as it may be, to reach out and, and make things right. Right? But because we have so much hatred and bitterness inside of us, we shun or or put a stiff arm out there and will not receive their overtures of making things right. Pastor Doug shared with us and has been sharing with us over the weeks that every one of us has a spiritual capacity. I like that term. I have capacity capacity. To know God. And to allow him to be known. You have a capacity within you to know God and to share him with people that you see every day. How do I know this? Because in Genesis chapter 1, it says that God created us in his image. And he breathed into us the breath of life. Now what happens, that image becomes darkened because of sin and and we need to have that our spiritual receptors awakened again you know when you injure a nerve i'm told that when the nerves are the what the slowest part of your you know physiology really to heal it takes a long time to heal a nerve and so when you get wounded and it hits your nerve, you need to have that nerve awakened and healed and vitalized again and not just to feel the sharp pain. <clears throat> In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 14 and 18, it says, But their minds were hardened for to this day. When they read the old covenant, excuse me, I'm using my computer here because I'm too cheap to print out paper. (laughs) Uh, But their minds were hardened for to this day when they read the Old Covenant that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day whenever Moses is read a veil lies over their hearts. But one I want you to repeat this part with me. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. So all of this darkness and all of this dullness in our life and our closing of our ears and our our eyes, when we turn to the Lord, and that's all that God is asking you to do today, that's what I want you to do today, is just turn to him. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. How many you know his glory and grace is here right now? And we just need to turn our face towards it. When Moses would go up onto the mountain and spend 40 days with God, he would come down off the mountain, and the people had said, Moses, put a veil on your face because you're so bright and shining that we can't stand to look at you. I think it'd be nice if we went to Applebee's after church today, and they said, "Put a veil over your face. You're too bright for us." You know, or wherever we go. That did I just put a subliminal message there. You go to Applebee's; uh, they should give me a tip for that. Uh, so when Moses, uh, that's what it's talking about there. Moses would go up, and you know, and, and the veil was over his face. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. That We sang about that this morning. We're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. But when one turns to the Lord the veil is removed. And we behold his glory, not through Moses, not through a preacher or a third party, but we behold him face to face. <clears throat> I'm trying to watch the clock here. Everyone who has been blinded by sin and the world is given an opportunity to turn to the Lord and have the spiritual blindness removed. Everyone has a God moment. Have you ever had a God moment? Where he just really made himself clearly known to you? Where they plainly see that God in some way, they see God in some way. It may be in a sunrise, a sunset, a starry night, the beauty of creation. It may be through a dream or a vision a sermon, or a reading in the Bible. But everyone has a moment either to know God or to refuse him. No one is without excuse. And because you came to church today, you have no excuse. And what the Bible is saying there, Paul. I'll read the scripture. I can, Paul says in Romans 119, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, through the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Everyone will stand before God and give an answer for the excuses that we have in our life. We have no excuses. God, at some time in everyone's life, whether they're here or the darkest part of the planet, has a revelation of who he is. And they have that point where Pastor Doug said today, before the message, you have a choice to make. What excuse will you give to God if you don't make the decision to follow him? Well, here's a little bit of my story again. I was minding my own business one day in Portland, Oregon. And you've heard, some of you have heard this story several times probably. While minding my own business, sitting in a business conference, the speaker was giving his presentation, and I heard another voice speak to me. It said, this isn't where I want you. I've called you to be a pastor. Sitting there in the meeting again, I was dumbfounded, astonished, confused wondering why would God want me to be a pastor. Yet, I was excited as well. And I couldn't wait to leave that meeting, to go home that night and talk to my wife. And when I told her all about it, she says, I knew it already. God had already been speaking to her as well. Everything changed that day, 1971. 1971. We were in the process of building our home, first house in Salem, Oregon. We finished the building and only lived in that house for eight months before moving back to California to begin my new occupation as a youth pastor and minister in training. That experience of hearing God's voice calling me to become a pastor opened my dull heart to something new. I knew that I needed the Holy Spirit. I knew God. I knew Jesus. But I needed something else in my life. I needed the Holy Spirit to fill my life because in myself, I knew I was totally unprepared and ill-equipped to become a pastor. That started an unquenchable study of the Bible like I had never had before. As I read in Acts about being filled with the Holy Spirit, I realized that it was what I needed. And I began hungering for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, just like it was mentioned in the book of Acts. I didn't just want to read about the experience. I wanted to have the experience. And many times, that's again, we read the Bible, but God wants us to experience and to know it. Jesus wants us to know Him in a personal and intimate way through our own walk with Him not through the walk of others. So I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I began to encounter God in a new way again. He had always been there in my youth, but my heart became dull and I didn't know He wanted more from me. My ears were closed, so listening to His voice, speaking to me through the Bible study and prayer. My eyes were blinded by my own selfish plans and desires. Even though I was in proximity to God's presence all these years. But all that changed. Together, Jan and I and infant Doug, we moved back to California, put our lives on the line, offered ourselves to God for his service. No job, I had a promise of a part-time job, No house, but God took care of that. We had no assurances of anything. We left it all. Good job. Nice house. To go to what? To serving Him. I'm 70. She's not 70. (laughs) We had three children, seven grandchildren. God has been with us all these years. He has never left us. He's never disappointed us. He will always be there, even now in our senior years. And I understand senior years aren't all that golden sometimes, but I know that God is golden. This preaching series has been awesome. We experience great worship every Sunday, just like we did this Sunday. We have life groups starting up, and opportunities for ministry involvement, but our hearts can remain dull. Our ears can remain closed, and our eyes blinded by our lives, unchanged by living close to God, but not encountering. you know it's a difference of knowing making him a friend or an acquaintance <coughs> encountering his presence is god's sovereign work just as i was doing my own thing in my own way on that day in portland oregon doing you know, i was doing church we were going to church we were involved in church i had actually been teaching some sunday school classes and so forth but god appeared and I thank God that my ears were opened. And I heard him. I didn't hear what was said. I couldn't tell you what that meeting was about. Because from that moment that God spoke to me, everything else went blank. And all I could think about was getting home and talking to Jan. And I remember getting on the phone that night and calling my dad, you know. I think he lived here in Woodland at the time, yes. And telling him, he, and he was pretty pretty blessed by that. And so was my mom, but more than them, I was blessed because I knew that God still had more. Now there's some steps to breaking loose these hindrances. John 1 verse 12 and 13 says, "But all who receive, did re- but to all who did receive him." who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So if you're here this morning and, and you haven't taken the time or made the decision to know him, to receive him, to believe in his name, you have that opportunity today, right now. He gives you the right to become the children of God, who are nor, not born of blood or the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. It's a sovereign work. When when God sent Jesus, it was a sovereign work. He did it because he loved you and me. And when God reveals himself, just like he did again that day in Portland, I don't know when he's going to always speak. He doesn't always speak to me that way. But I want him to. I invite him to. And I and it's a sovereign thing I cannot gauge. That's where Doug, Pastor Doug was talking about developing and cultivating that presence of the Lord. Not always am I am I feeling that I'm holding hands with God, but I daily want to be with Him and I strive to in my daily walk spend time in His Word, spend time in prayer, and meditating upon Him. And so, uh. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's your first step to encountering His presence is to acknowledging Jesus as Lord. And then Luke 13, eleven thirteen says, "The next step, the step I took, was receiving the Holy Spirit." Luke 11.13 13 says, "You then who are evil know how much how to give good gifts, how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit?" to those who ask him. It's there for the asking. I have more to share, but I think we'll finish with that. So today, you and I have a choice to make. Um, Am I going to choose doing life my way? Or choosing to say, I'm ready to begin doing life God's way. If I would say to you this morning, I was thinking about this. Remember, we heard the terrible tragedy that happened in Oakland not long ago where the fire happened in the warehouse. 36 people perished. I'm sure that someone in the midst of that fire shouted, fire! But the people didn't know where to run. They had nowhere to escape from that fire. And I was thinking about that as I was going through this message today, is that God is almost like he's saying, I'm here. Come to me. Or, I don't want to say it, but but lose yourself in your own life. And if I was to say to you this morning, if you would come to this altar This morning, and you would meet God, and you would enter into his presence. And all you have to do is get up from where you are and come here and be at this altar. And you would meet God. Or you can go out the door and choose not to. I mean, the choice is really yours, but God is here. So, and choosing God means there's some things I have to leave behind. But I'm willing to flee that in order to pursue him. So the choice is yours today. And this morning, that's really where I want to end. Is that, are you ready to encounter God's presence? And I say that it's always uh, peaceful. I find his presence to be downright scary sometimes. <laughs> so I'm not promising you rose petals, <laughs> in rose garden, yeah. But I am promising you the fact that God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will always be there with you in your up times, in your down times, and even in those mediocre times. So, I don't know if I want to... I got a prayer here I want to pray with you, if you're interested. So, (laughs) if you want to pray this prayer with me, I'm going to ask you, as an act of... Willingness uh, to stand, and this is—it's a general prayer. So I mean, you're wondering what it's—I mean, it does involve some commitment, but I'm not asking for any money to sign anything on the on the dotted line or anything like that. And then I'm going to ask you: Remember what I said a moment ago? If God is was here at the altar his presence, would you be willing to step out and come to be where he is, to see him, to know him, rather than just go out the door? Then, if that's you, would you please come forward? Let's meet with God.